forgot to I forgot to put it in the fridge. Uh, so it's warm and so I'm drinking a warm beer of the week. But uh, oh well, okay. we're ready. Alright. Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. And and uh Hey, this, this week, is folks, two weeks in a row yeah. that we actually recorded. <laughs> that's right that never happens <laughs> is this the first time that's there that we've gotten it two weeks in a row that's in you a know, long we've, time we've put anyway. a lot of podcasts out there yeah but i know uh, i was looking it has through been them. we've got a lot mm-hmm. i was trying to think up of a topic i couldn't i mean we've done a lot so i couldn't think one up yeah. so oh you're taking well, the lead I've, on this one then i've got a topic that i love to okay. talk about um, uh, and, and, uh, I don't get to talk about a lot because it, uh, um, it doesn't come up, um, yeah. you know, so, um, but before but we first... get started on that, let me introduce the, uh, excuse me, the beer of the week, uh, founders KBS, now KBS, this founders is a brewery, uh, up in Grand Rapids, Michigan and, uh, KBS, uh, stands for. Kentucky breakfast stout and it is a beer that is only available um during a couple of months in the springtime beer it's uh, not just year. for breakfast anymore and and it's not <laughs> that's right now the reason it's breakfast uh and I'll go through them in order the reason it's Kentucky is because it's a bourbon barrel aged stout so um the uh after the beer itself is created they put it into used bourbon barrels that have that bourbon flavor soaked into the wood and they age it in there for a little while uh i don't know how long i i don't know whether they like make it each year and then just age it for the rest of that year or if it's aged for a couple of years or what i could look that stuff up but i'm not going to right now uh the reason it's breakfast is because it has uh notes of coffee and chocolate in it well, the coffee, I guess, more than the chocolate. I don't think people associate chocolate with breakfast. But it's the coffee aspect that makes it breakfast. And then, of course, it's a stout beer. See, uh, I, I, don't yeah. taste, I don't taste the coffee. You don't I, taste the coffiness. I do, you do taste, taste the, chocolate? the chocolate, yeah. It, um, it's You're probably because, I, yeah, because... I, I drink coffee all day. So, And I yeah. took and a drink right drink... before we started, so... Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the wrong thing. If if you wanted that to come through, right? You you drink strong coffee too, don't you? No, not real strong. Oh, I mean, really? okay. probably tends to be slightly strong. stronger than the normal person's, but uh, ah, no, I don't. Okay. If I do, well, I purposely keep it weaker because because uh, I drink it all day. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't want to be so hooked on caffeine that if I don't get it every hour, I'm gonna. Have a headache. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, this beer weighs in at twelve point two percent alcohol by volume, which is pretty hefty for a beer. Twelve point two percent. Twelve point two percent. That's some strong beer. Yes, you you can smell it's it like a wine. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it's it's a very um. It's a very sweet beer. The the sweetness to it would almost be considered 
syrupy and sickly, except that they balance it with a high bitterness. Uh, so it's got something like, I don't see it on the bottle anywhere, but something like a 70 IBU, that's that's Imperial uh, Bitterness Unit. Um, There's a, I didn't even know there was a bitterness unit. There that, is a bitterness re- measurement. Yeah. That, huh. Calculates the, uh, how do you calculate it? Just well, by I don't, taste or do they have some kind of instrument or? the I don't know whether it's true bitterness in in terms of like uh trained testers or if it's more that because the the main there's a main source of bitterness chemically speaking in beer and it could be that that they actually measure the amount of that chemical in the beer i'll bet they i'll bet they that. measure it with because, well, here's the thing. Uh, you can use taste buds from certain animals. I think chickens is one oh, to okay. measure certain aspects of taste. And huh. one of one of the things, I think uh, Pepsi, no, I can't remember if it was Pepsi or Coke that were doing it. They were using the cells of aborted fetuses to oh. test taste. That was and Pepsi. It was okay. It was Pepsi as part of their manufacturing process, yeah. right? That like quality control. Yeah. Right. So I wonder if that's how they test the bitterness of something. I because you could get I an don't accurate. Think so, oh. Because you know the I, I mean, I don't think so because you know Pepsi is a huge company and they would have that built into their own line. But to have that, I th- I would think would be a fairly expensive way of measurement measuring something. I think that they that they brew it once, they come up with the 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 brew recipe, they send it to some lab who who knows how they do it. Okay, but they they send it to some lab and uh, that that specializes in this kind of stuff. And it comes back and they says, okay, that's what it is. And then they just follow the recipe. Yeah. I would bet that it's more along those lines. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, the, possibly that, yeah, various uh, animal taste buds might be involved and stuff in, in those labs, I suppose. I'll have to look okay. into that sometime. Right? Okay, now, now you've given me a research project. Yeah, yeah. You're probably sorry you did. Okay. Good old. <laughs> so, what is it? It's called KBS. It's Kentucky Con- Breakfast. Stout. Stout. All right. stout. Yeah, that's the the S is the stout part, and that's the the thicker, um, uh, maltier uh, yeah. beer. A little thick for me. <laughs> I have a problem with every. How come none of the beers that you're sending me tastes like beer to me that I'm used to? Well, drinking? what what beer are you, you what beer are you used to drinking? I guess I, Sam Adams is what I if if I'm gonna buy beer I probably buy Sam Adams uh, log okay Boston log okay all right so so a little bit more um, a little bit more beery than uh, than Budweiser or Coors yeah um, probably uses actual malt grains instead of uh, corn or whatever for its sugar. Um, I don't know what they I heard do. The, I'm just. I heard that corn, these are always used corn. <laughs> this is the third beer you've sent me, and they're all like way out on the ledge somewhere. As far as, <laughs> I guess that's what beer people do. I, 
<laughs> I don't know. So uh, there's a few of them that'll probably be a little bit more uh, okay. central in their taste uh, profile uh, in the lineup coming up. I, I, um, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in fact, this one and the previous one are probably two of the most extreme. I would have to say because the the sour yeah. and now the extreme uh thickness of the the creaminess of the stout yeah but it's no uh i mean see this tastes like whiskey to me it's this tastes like syrupy whiskey <laughs> whiskey syrup it's takes the maple syrup kentucky. Pour, pour whiskey in it <laughs> yeah in kentucky you put this on your pancakes yeah kentucky's quite a place <laughs> okay. okay all right we're going to talk about what <clears throat> Uh, let's talk about the mass. Um, you know, we, we, we did at least one that kind of touched on the mass before we talked about music in the mass. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. But we never really, I mean, other than the stupidity of the music itself and, and the, the kind of obvious musical, um, inanity of it, the, you know, that it just kind of, it's just kind of bland and, and, and yuck. Hey, you know, we never really what i ever since we did that one uh like shortly after that i came up on something and i kept meaning to ask you about it um the every introit that i look up is a direct gospel or a a bible quote from somewhere in the bible it's always i think it always is yeah so i think it's usually a psalm too isn't it yeah generally uh, okay. I I maybe always I just never found out if they're all from Psalms. But the weird thing is, right after we did that uh, podcast about music, I go into the Novus Order Mass here, and at the end of the pew, there's these little slips of paper, and it says Introit during Lent, and there's a, a paragraph or two there, and it's. Well, actually, a verse or two, but it's yeah. it's not biblical at all. It's just like it sounds exactly like the kind of stuff we were ridiculing. Just, just uh, you know, some hokey song that somebody decided to write for the introit, and I guess that's so, the introit they were using. Did they sing it? I mean, I don't know because uh, I got did you there, get there late. late? I got there late, and then that's the last lucky. time I went there because it just kind of irritated me. Ah, uh, I see. But I see. I, you can't. A priest can't just make up an introit and put it in the mass. I don't think he can't so. Do that. I, I'm pretty sure he cannot. That's that. I I don't think so. I think uh, that's odd. And the the thing is that I'm not even sure. I'll have to do a little bit of research on that. But but you know. Usually these these things that we come up with, like introit and and the asparagus uh, that uh, mm-hmm. some parishes will include be- before the mass and stuff, th- these are named because those are the first words of the official prayer that's said. But that's the thing; it's official, and there should yeah. be nothing. The the only thing that should ever be part of the mass that is not a official is the priest sermon. That's the only thing that should come from the priest. Yeah. Um, I, I guess they give a little bit of leeway for the, the petitions uh, of the faithful, which usually 
the the an adequate voicing of any of the petitions that we're supposed to it's like you're not supposed to just pray willy-nilly for all kinds of of private um uh intentions mm-hmm. during that part it it it's supposed to be a sequence of praying for you know the church the uh um the civil leaders and uh, I don't yeah, know the Pope, conversion of sinners and then the dead and stuff. I mean, there's a, there's, there, there's like, you know, like a, a set of like four or five specific things that you're supposed to pray for. Um, and it used to be that, that all of those things were covered in the prayers of the mass itself, such that there was never any need to yeah. have this, this, you know, petitions by the faithful, right. So I don't know. It's it's, um, but I'm not going to get into that. That's okay. that's not really okay. what I, I just, want to talk about. I, just, I kept meaning to ask you about that, and I kept forgetting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so. I'm almost positive though that whatever they were doing it at the parish you were talking about, it was uh, probably uh, uh, they were probably going rogue there. Yeah. Okay. So what are we going to talk about? Okay, so I think that that it would be valuable to spend a little bit of time talking about the mass itself and what it is not and what it is. Um, and my hope would be that once people understand what it is, they would, because of that understanding, start to develop a stronger desire to see it done well and to see it done beautifully and to see it done correctly mm-hmm. instead of a lot of the ways that it's done at uh, I can speak for for American parishes um probably around the world yeah. but certainly in American parishes so I'm going to I you know I'm going to start kind of going through a sequence and as you know uh as we talk about some of this stuff we may get onto some sidetracks and stuff but Okay. But, uh, here, here. So let me just kind of start off by saying that what I think a lot of people see the mass as, and in fact, based on the way a lot of priests say mass, you get the idea that the priest thinks this is what mass is, is that it's basically the parish's act of worship, that the parish comes together and they create a mass through an act of worship that they do together. And I think of all the things that you, that that people might imagine the mass to be that's that's probably the furthest from the truth. Um really. Yes, the parish is engaging in worship, but the parish does not even though the priest confects the mass and causes it to be he he makes with us he, I mean he makes the mass to be with us, but he does not, or we do not as a parish, uh, create the mass as our act of worship. We don't get together and put together this gift for God, and then that's the mass. Even when we follow the prescription, uh, and, and the thing is, if, if that's what the mass is, every parish should be doing their own thing, and, and it could reflect the heart of the parish and so on and so forth. Well, that's kind and of what's so happening, ain't it? Together. Well, it often is. That's and and that's why it's like, okay, wait a minute. There, there's so much difference and and so much uh, difference, not just in 
the style of music, but in the style of how they do it and the emphasis they put. Yeah. And, and some of them even choose like different times to stand or sit or, um, I mean, I've even been in parishes where priests use non-approved words in the consecration itself. Wow. Okay. So yeah, exactly. So, but you know, in order to understand why that's so wrong, we have to begin to kind of unroll this this concept that we've had of the mass all this time and reassemble what the mass really is. Um, and one of the things that I think that we can kind of use as a uh, a peephole to kind of open up into the real mystery of the mass is this idea of the sacrifice. Because we often refer to it that way, right? We say the sacrifice right. of the mass. And, and that, you know, those terms are kind of thrown about. You know, when I was little, uh, I used to, you know, hey, the sacrifice of the mass. Yeah, I took that to heart. I'm making a sacrifice by going there. That's that's the sacrifice of the mass that I have <laughs> to go, and it's a sacrifice. <laughs> Offer it up. <laughs> exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. The fact that I have to sit there for an hour <laughs> or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, well, that's not really what it is. And here's the thing. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> if the Mass was our gift to God, then that's really what it could almost be as a sacrifice. It's If it's a sacrificial gift of us to God that comes from us, on our behalf and is is uh, and originates in us, then think of it this way: one of the the big you know things about mass is, of course, going to Holy Communion, and hopefully, in most people's parishes, they at least still tell people. I know that there are parishes out there that don't. I know that there are priests out there that don't. But you know, they they are engaging in. Uh, enormous acts of scandal by failing to do this. They at least should be telling people, don't receive Holy Communion if you're in a state of mortal sin. You have to first go uh, reunite yourself with God and reacquire the grace uh, that Christ won on the cross Mm -hmm. before you can go to Holy Communion. But here's the thing. If the Mass was ours if it was our act and our gift to God and our sacrifice, there would be no problem receiving Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin because we would be making the very sacrifice and giving the very gift that should be our response of sorrow to God. Hey, I'm giving you this sacrifice, God. I'm giving you this gift of sacrifice from me to you as a show of how sorry I am for my sin. So of course I'm going to participate in it fully and receive Holy Communion. And in fact, the more, you know, badly I've sinned, the more that becomes something I need. Well, obviously this has never been the understanding of the the church and the mind or teaching of the church regarding the mass. It has always been, wait a minute, no, if you've committed a mortal sin, you still have to fulfill your obligation to go to mass and participate, but you can't receive Holy Communion. So but that... uh, just real quickly here, um, mm-hmm. if you if you cannot go to communion, um, aside from fulfilling an obligation, do you get grace from being at mass? 
I've struggled with that, and I haven't sat down to find the um, answer from the the various doctors of the church who certainly have written on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if it's a settled question, and the answer that I uh, always kind of find myself falling back on is this: that uh, first of all, you can receive actual graces by going to mass and through your prayers actual graces are not and and again this this is me talking off the cuff and and not having researched this actual graces are graces that act in you they're the inclinations that maybe god gives you to help you to avoid an affection for a certain sinful thing okay uh or I mean, even if it's like the you know the more like extreme and and physical worldly like you know the fact that you uh, avoided a a uh, incident that that may have caused you know resulted right. in harm to you or something like that, if that is is seen at all as some kind of grace from God, that also is an example as an actual grace. Uh, we associate wearing the scapular with a particular protection uh, against drowning. That's an example of an actual grace, but also those things that that move your heart and mind and help you to want the right things. Those yeah. are actual graces. So my under my belief, and this is the part that I haven't researched, is that yes, you still can receive actual graces as a result of prayer and participation in the mass, and those actual graces can, for example, manifest in a growing more ardent desire to receive Holy Communion and to be in that communion with Christ that allows you to participate with the whole church in Holy Communion. Right. So that that would be one thing. Okay. The second thing is that, and, and here's where I think it, I'm even on more shaky ground, um, but I think that there are uh, saints who have believed this. I'll, I'll, you know, still have to go research it again. But... Uh, it's possible that as you go through these motions, you continue to say your prayers, you continue to go to Mass, especially liturgical motions, whether it's Mass or something like saying your daily, uh, if you say the office daily or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay, so you've committed some mortal sin and you might think, well, there's no point. I'm going to skip my office today. That way I can sleep a half hour longer or something like that. Well, it's possible that as you continue to do those, uh, you in a sense, you store up, um, like, uh, there's a very loose analogy. If you push it too hard, it'll break, but like vouchers okay. um, a- against sanctifying grace, which is that deepening of grace with Christ, that that participation in the divine life that, that you know, puts your soul in communion with God. Um I think there are those who believe that when you go to, if you've done all those faithfully, even though having committed a mortal sin, obviously though refraining from Holy Communion, and then you go to confession, and at that point, you're, the, the sin's forgiven, and then you would also receive the sanctifying graces that you would have received in those acts. Okay. Um, but it, in, a, in a sense... You, it would be like without 
without interest. So if you imagine like, yeah, you you put a, you put you know money in a bank, it starts earning interest, and every time you put more money, that's continuing to earn interest, and then the interest you've earned also earns interest. Well, this would be more like okay, I'm setting aside a hundred dollars to put in the bank, and a hundred dollars to put in the bank, and a hundred dollars to put in the bank. Now I'm going to put them all in the bank. So now I've got all three hundred dollars, but what I don't have is the interest I would have earned on them during the last you know two weeks that I haven't gotten to confession or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I th- you know, again, I, I, I'm, I may be making things way too mechanical out of something that is, you know, very spiritual. Um, but yeah. it's quite possible that it were that that you know that the benefit, uh, you know, imbues to you in that way as well. So. I think my point would be there is no reason to believe that it's pointless to continue your prayers and to continue attending mass. Just because you're going to have a uh... right, just right, just because you you've uh, been in a mortal sin, you're going to have a, a a weird bump there to uh, edit out. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so that's anyway that that's that's the point. So. So back to this idea then of sacrifice, uh, what do we mean when we say that the, you know, the sacrifice of the mass? Well, in order to understand that, we have to kind of go back to uh, the right, uh, R-A-T-E, right, that the mass grew out of, the ritual that uh, was going on when Jesus created the mass and gave it to the apostles. And of course, that's the Last Supper, uh, which was part of the Passover celebration of the Jews. And in the Passover celebration, there's this, they have the uh, the lamb, which they have to slaughter, and then they have to cook the lamb and eat the flesh of the lamb. Now, why do they slaughter a lamb? Well, we go all the way back to when they were in Egypt. We know that the, the, the origins of the Passover celebration are when, you know, the Passover in Egypt, when the, the angel of God moved through the land and killed the firstborn of, of uh, men and beasts and of the houses of the Israel, he said, slaughter a lamb. And he had certain specific instructions for, you know, the, the kind of lamb, I think how old it was and stuff like that. And then paint the blood of the lamb on the, on the doorpost and, uh, the angel would see the blood and pass by and the uh, houses of the Israelites would be saved then from this slaughter that was going through. Now, they weren't going to be saved. It wasn't like just a marker. They, there was a reason that they had to slaughter a lamb. It wasn't just, hey, I have to have some way of knowing who you are so that I don't kill you uh, because I don't intend to kill you. Now, that was that wasn't it. It was that the wrath of God and the wrath of, of, uh, this, um, you know, we, we think of it as the 10th plague, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, would have applied to the Hebrews as well. And the difference isn't that they were Hebrews. The difference is that a lamb was slaughtered in place of the firstborn of their households. So the lamb is an innocent victim slaughtered in place of those who deserve themselves to be punished. And okay. that's where the, and, and that's why God was so specific afterwards, once they were out of Egypt and, and he said, okay, you're, 
you are to do this every year and you're to have this uh, particular ritual celebration and you're going to slaughter the lamb and you're going to consume the lamb and your children are going to ask you why you do it and you're going to tell, here's what you're going to say to them to explain why you do it. And all that time for, I don't know how many, you know, thousands of years from the Exodus to the time of Christ, um, the uh, obligation has been on the Jewish people to slaughter a lamb, a innocent victim, let the blood of that victim flow in place of their own blood as an acknowledgement that they themselves deserve because of their own sins to be slaughtered, and then consume the flesh of the lamb. Now, why would they consume the flesh of the lamb that they slaughter? Why not give the lamb, for example, to God uh, as, you know, a symbol of, of, you know, the offering of the sacrifice? Well, they consume the flesh of the lamb in order to unite themselves in a imperfect symbolic way with the lamb itself so that now it's not just the lamb's blood being shed. It's their own blood because they're in a sort of union with the lamb that has just been slaughtered. So okay. that's ringing certain that, bells of parts of the mass. Yeah, absolutely. It should. That's that, you know, you know, in fact, people who've never thought of that should be saying, Oh, aha. Wow. Um, because that's exactly what we do. So now Christ, you know, he's, he's celebrating the, you know, the Passover with his apostles. And as he's doing so, what's he about to do? He's about to go to the cross. Uh, we see him, the innocent victim on the cross, uh, and then his blood shed, and it says that he poured out all of his blood. And before he does that, he says, this is my body, eat it, this is my blood, drink it. So now we have the innocent victim who later in Revelation is explicitly called the Lamb of God. And we have the eating of the flesh of the Lamb, but instead of just kind of eating a part of the Lamb, and uniting symbolically with a, you know, the symbolic lamb of God, because all those lambs slaughtered in, uh, you know, by the, the Israelites uh, and the Jews up until the time of Christ, they pointed forward to and symbolized Christ, but they were imperfect uh, sacrifices uh, because they couldn't, they couldn't offer themselves you know, as a sacrifice, they, they were innocent, but they were, they were also dumb animals. Well, Christ was not a dumb animal. He offered himself. He willingly was, you know, allowed himself to be led to the slaughter. And now we are consuming the entirety of the lamb, not just a piece of the lamb and uniting perfectly with the true lamb of God, who was not just slaughtered, but was willingly slaughtered he willed him to allow himself to be slaughtered as the one sacrifice for all of us as saint paul says it's you know the he makes that distinction between the priests of the old testament who had to slaughter animals again and again every year or the fact that they would have to make daily um small animal sacrifices once for their own sins and then for the sins of their people uh, on their people's behalf. And he says, all yeah. of that's done away with. We have the one sacrifice, Christ, and that's whose body and whose blood we celebrate at the Lord's Supper. 
And he's, you know, he's very clear about that as well. So that's the thing that the mass is. The mass is Christ putting himself on the cross and sacrificing himself to the father on behalf of our sins. And then we get to participate in it. So, so uh, Christ here is the center. And uh, the point is that we're coming to uh, take part in that central sacrifice and we're not coming to enjoy fellowship or community and be one with each other we're more there to be one with christ right right and and in fact we become one with each other through christ and then as one we are we unite with christ you know in his sacrifice the you know, Christ said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Our unity with each other is through our union with Christ. Um, however, he did want his church as a body. He wanted this to be a, a corporate action. Corporate comes from the word body, corporal. Um, and so he's not, you know, it would also be a mistake to think that that there's kind of this um, hub and spokes model where each one of us is connected with Christ with no connection with one another at all. Um, okay. but, but our, our union with each other is not some kind of conscious, uh, or conscientious, uh, awareness of, you know, my brother standing next to me and, and, you know, and here we are and, and we're united and Hey, let's, let's unite ourselves. And then we, can go to God or wherever. No, the the union is in a unity of intention and uh, attention to the mysteries of the Mass. It's a unity in our um, regard for and our participation in the sacrifice of Christ. It's kind of like when you read the some of the Book of Revelation and you see the masses and crowds. And they all say the same thing at the same time. Uh, it seems spontaneous, but it's also clearly ritualistic because they're all saying the same thing at the same time. There's that yeah. union, but it's, you know, they're all focused. Each one is focused and the union becomes a, a result of their intentions, uh, a result of the unity of their intentions. And so when we're in the mass, that's that's us. We're we're joining in that eternal heavenly uh, ritual that's going on, uh, described in Revelation, where the Lamb is on the throne and and they you know uh, he he's as one slain and and um, they uh, I don't know. There's there's several parts of the right. <laughs> book of Revelation and where it's... where it talks about how the saints regard, and then especially the ones who come and 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 you know the Saint Saint John says, well, or the angel says to Saint John, who are they? And Saint John says, well, you know better than I do. He says those are the ones who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. So those you know, and there's there's countless of baptized. them. Baptized. Yeah, exactly. That's us. So, and we're, we're there essentially fulfilling this prophecy uh, foretold. And I, I maybe it's not foretold, yeah. it, it, but in Revelations that it uh, was, you know, I like to think unveiled rather than foretold. 
Right. Uh, it was. It's revealed. You know, Revelation reveals what it is we're about, why we're doing this, and what we're doing. Yeah. Is a good way to, to think of it. Now, there's another aspect to the Mass, one that people don't maybe think about as much, and it's um, that the Mass is a marriage of sorts. I, I wouldn't say even of sorts. It's the wedding feast of the Lamb. Okay. So, so if you think of, if you think of human marriage, as described in the book of Genesis, male and female, he created them. And then it says afterwards, when it's describing the marriage of Adam and Eve, and finally, you know, God puts Adam to sleep and draws a rib out and creates Eve. And then, um, you know, Adam says, you know, here's, here's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Yeah. And then it says, and that's why a man leaves his uh, mother and father and cleaves to his wife. And the two are made one, or the two become one. Um, well, so in a human marriage, the two become one in a certain physical way um, that is, you know, obviously incomplete. There's a certain amount of analogy and metaphor in that language of becoming one, but it is a union, and it's a fruitful union. They bear children, and, the, and then they have to raise right. the children, and so on and so forth. So... If you think of this, we've got Christ, who was, is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He's divine. He's, he's the one who created the universe. Um, and he becomes one of us. So he has entered into our nature. He's taken our nature onto himself. Okay. Uh, and then he goes through his life and now, you know, he's about to make his sacrifice, but he does one other thing. He has his apostles gathered and those who he knows is going to become his church, which is, you know, clearly supposed to be a body, a visible body. Right. And he says, this is my body. Eat it. This is my blood. Drink it. Now, here's the thing. When, when he did that, he had them receiving him his entire self he was living at this time this is christ living right just like he's living on our altar so it's body blood soul and divinity both the bread even though he said it separately this is my body this is my breath my blood it was his entire self body blood soul and divinity body blood soul and divinity a complete union of himself because he's living which they took into themselves. So he took on our nature and then we, the members of his church, take on his divinity. This is a union and his divinity united with his flesh in our nature. So there's a complete union and the two become one in Holy Communion. This is what in the book of Revelation is described as the wedding supper of the Lamb. And this is, and it's towards the end of Revelation. Uh, in fact, verse nineteen, the or chapter nineteen, rather, the the whole book only has twenty two chapters. Um, and in chapter nineteen, they have the wedding uh, feast, and uh, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, all of the people announce, "Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. 
And then the angel said to, to John, he, he said specifically to John, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage of the, to the marriage supper of the lamb. These are true words of God. Yeah. So this happens. And then what happens immediately after that? We have the white, uh, the rider on the white horse, who is Christ, riding forth into battle to defeat the beast. That's the cross. The cross is how Christ defeated the beast. And so those two clearly, boom, one, then the other. And that's exactly what we have presented in the Gospels, the Last Supper, and then the cross. And so this part of the book of Revelation is just kind of, it's kind of like shedding a backlight saying, okay, here's what you could see in the worldly flow of events, but let's backlight it here and we'll show you what's actually happening. So when we're going to the mass, you know, we're participating in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. I have not read chapter 19 of the book (laughs) since in years. I know I have read it because I've read Revelations, but uh, it hasn't been in years. Probably a good thing to do after we talk tonight, then I'll go back and read it. And uh, some of these things might start clicking bells. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, but here's the other thing, though. Christ marries his church as an entire body. Okay, and that's where I was bringing up. There's this corporate aspect to the mass. It's not just each one individually with no connection to each other. He is the marriage is to an entire body, the church that he selected out of human history. I mean, it, 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 we could talk about, you know, whether he was going to become human without mm-hmm. the fall. There are some who believe, some who don't, whatever. But but regardless of how that, you know, is, the truth is there was a fall. Mankind lost his connection with God. And then Christ selected a people out of history to uh, give him human birth and then to uh, form a church, a body with whom he would remain united forever. Now, that means that the Mass, which is not only the, it's the continuation of the Paschal sacrifice that Moses, you know, God ordered you know, everybody through Moses ordered the, the, the uh, yeah. Hebrews through Moses to continue perpetuating. Well, we are continuing to perpetuate that in the mass. That's our Paschal sacrifice. And it's got the, the bread and the wine and the lamb. And we consume the lamb, except the bread and the lamb are one. But instead um, of uh, getting away from Egypt, we're getting away from hell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's an exodus of, of, of sorts. Uh, so it's the, the perpetuation of that. It's also the participation in the cross because we are uniting ourselves with the lamb and therefore, and that's the thing about revelation, the marriage comes first and then Christ, the bridegroom, because he's now united with his bride in marriage, rides forth to defeat the beast. And there's a, there's a reason that revelation put those in that order. And that's why, because it's with us, united to us as the bridegroom, that he goes to the cross because we accompany him then because we're united to him. 
And then and... the. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the fact that it's a marriage and he's, you know, bringing the entire church into union with him. And where I was going with all this is that it's not just something of the parish or even of the nation. The mass is uh, a gift from God to and a participation in God's gift by the entire universal church, which is why the concept of official rites is so important, which is why the concept of liturgy, which means official prayer of the church, is so important. Because if we're all doing our own thing, we can't exactly be united, can we? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, there are various rites of the Mass that have kind of organically grown in different, uh, you know, out of early pockets of, of Right. Know, Christianity that you know you've got some of the Eastern rites, the Byzantine, and and then the the most common, and I would say kind of like you know the one that that is uh, when done well has sort of <laughs> ruled over them all is the Roman pre pre Novus Ordo rite of the Mass, but the point is that even Novus Ordo it's extremely important to recognize and to treat this mass as something handed to us, you know, as part of the universal church, not something that God said, Hey, you guys go figure out how you want to worship me and then put it together and do it. We we you know, and that's the, um, that's the other aspect of it that, you know, aside from realizing that, Hey, this, this, this is not our gift to God. It's God's gift to us. And hey, we are participating in something much, you know, uh, more deeply spiritual than we may realize. It, we also have to have that humility of saying, and it's not up to us how to do it. it it's right. up to it, it's up to the universal church, and 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 ultimately, you know, basically, it's up to Rome, if we want to put it in those yeah. terms, and and we should. So, so, so would you are, would mm-hmm. you call the Novus Ordo inferior to that uh, Roman Latin rite that was out just before the Novus Ordo? Yes, uh, but let me be clear what, when I say that. Okay, so there's a certain sense in which the two rites of the Mass, the the two. It, the two forms it's actually one rite of the mass uh as the church understands it they have different it's like two different forms of the same rite but there's a sense in which they're equivalent uh either one is the mass either one brings about the holy eucharist and either one gives us the opportunity to receive holy communion and in that to come to that full participation in the mysteries of the paschal sacrifice and the wedding supper of the lamb um that's and because those two things are infinite in what they offer uh you know there there's a sense in which if you say well this one is superior to that somebody's going to be able to say oh you know, you're you're stating a heresy because you're claiming that, you know, that the power of the cross is 
uh, less efficacious here than there or something like that. Right. Okay. So there's, that's, that's one thing. And that's why you ask questions like that. It's, it's never a simple yes or no answer. Yeah, I kind know. Of unpack a bunch of stuff. However, there is clearly a, a, I would say a twofold advantage of the older right in terms of its superiority. The first is that the structure and the particular prayers more fully express what the mass is. It makes more visible to those participating in it the true nature of the mass. It's more revealing. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing. And of course, because it's more revealing, it also offers uh, a better path for our own intentions and attentions mm-hmm. to be focused during the mass. It gives us... Um, it gives us the kinds of things to uh, to put into our minds uh, and into our voices and into our ears that will help us to remain intentional about what we're there for instead of drifting off on all kinds of things or instead of getting caught up in this, um, you know, a feeling of uh, fellowship with our neighbors yeah. or whatever. You know, it, it, that, uh, that, like that can be hands. distracting. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and if, <laughs> in fact, I mean, almost to highlight that point, the, you know, I, I think two different parishes, uh, but one, one that, that I frequented, um, maybe there's a bunch of parishes that do this, but, but one of them that I frequented up in Michigan, uh, had taken up not just a sort of, um, habit among the people of, of you know, standing up before the entrance hymn and, and saying, hi, how are you, you know, and doing all the, yeah. the thing. Um, but actually, the, the they were read instructions by the person at the, pul- at the uh, lectern before the entrance hymn as though it was part of the rite of mass. Now rise. What do you mean? Well, the way they stated it made it feel like it was it was like, like ritual, like you're supposed to do this. They would say literally now rise and each of you greet the person next to you and welcome him or greet the person next to you and introduce yourself by name or something like that. I mean, but, but they were formulaic about how they said it such that it felt like it was a, a part of the ritual of going to mass. Yeah. It it was silly. I I wonder if, um, in the Novus Order, they've destroyed so much of the formula and so much of the ritual in what we do that they they just kind of make up things to put in there because so that they know it feels more it. ritualistic. <laughs> yeah. That's and right. It it just feels more worshipy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. I think I think that's exactly right. Uh, yeah. In fact, my my we used my wife used to. Uh, and I used to tease each other on the way to um, the um, that mass, and so I might be running a little bit behind or something like that. And you know, it's kind of funny. She's not gonna going to know who you're sitting behind. Before going to that mass, I I would routinely get like like when I went to uh, Holy Rosary in Indianapolis, I routinely got there fifteen twenty minutes early, um, and. Once we started going there, and especially once they developed this this I don't know handshake thing, thing. Um, I get there late. 
I, well, yeah. I mean, I, it's like I, it's more like I wouldn't bother to get there early, say. Right. <laughs> and Terry would tease me. You're gonna miss the handshake. <laughs> yeah. You know, I. <laughs> but I've she been... wanted to miss the handshake too. <laughs> yeah, I've been leaving the ma- four mass later and later lately. Yeah. Um, because well, I got in the habit of it because of the one up the street. It's just, um, I, they just made a big deal about about this entrance procession and and uh, and and the songs. You know, they would pick out a song and then sing all all the verses of it. And in the last three uh, verses, the priest is just kind of standing there, isn't he? Yeah, and it's like, come on, get on with the mass. And yeah, uh, exactly. Well, well, you know, that's that's one of the other things people have begun to believe that the music is essential to the mass and yeah you know sorry to say this all of you liturgical music directors out there it isn't i mean it it's it's kind of uh it's um what's a, a good word it's it's a important part of the mass but if you take the music away you still have the mass Right. You know, it's not it's not an essential part. It's just it's a good accretion to the mass. Yeah. You know, okay, here's the thing. I I guess it's maybe since we've started doing this podcast, actually I would say since we did the one about liturgical music. I went ahead and made the commitment that I'm going to start going to the Tridentine here. Now, I used to go to the Latin mass, I don't know, about five, six years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was maybe five or 10 minutes longer than the Novus Ordo. So it'd be like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes long. Right. But it was generally pretty, it wasn't that bad. Right. It wasn't that long, I guess I would say. And it was much more bearable because whatever they were doing, they were doing it properly and it, it didn't make me cringe. But... <laughs> That was when (laughs) our mother was the choir director at the time. And I thought the music was excellent. And you went in, you did the mass, and then you went home. And the mass was respectful and reverent and everything. I got to say, she's no longer the choir director. Right. And it is so obvious that the choir director runs the mass. At this one that I've started going to again. Oh, really? Like it's like like, like it feels like two hours long. It feels two hours long. No, it is two hours long. Wait, you serious? I am serious. It is painful. Mass isn't supposed to be that long. No, it's not. They every extra thing they can do, they do, and uh, I, I would say there's 15 minutes at least of everybody waiting for the choir to finish, you know, like finish the credo or finish the uh, Gloria, things like that. It's, it's painful. Huh? And I, yeah, but I, I mean, long even, I mean, for the days that when mom uh, was choir director again, because she did an excellent job and the music, you know, the, the talent on display there is great, but I wouldn't call the music any better. Definitely not. And so, are, is it like so that they're picking longer, long. longer glorias and credo? I mean, they're picking masses. They are doing that. Parts? They are doing that. 
every they do the you know the asperges what is that uh-huh. a-s-p-e-r-g-e-s uh, right they the do asperges. that every single time they do oh, every okay. incensing that they are able to do and uh you know what but, it is also the priest he chants everything he can chant and oh, he okay. takes a long time to do it and he there's only one priest distributing communion um yeah. and I would say it takes him five seconds for each person. Oh, really? Priests used yeah. to be really good about that. They were like, yeah, like super fast. There was a like priest if, there. If there that used to be there. Ready? It it was you know. Yeah, boom. it was on your tongue, and then you got out of the way for the next person. But the uh, I, I I I've made the commitment to go, so now I have to go. Unless maybe I can, you know what? I think there's a I think there's a second Latin mass in Cincinnati, and I might start going to that Try to but find it's that one yeah. i mean it's uh it's just not what i was used to yeah you know and the same kind of problem that i have with the novus ordo that's the same thing problem i kind of have with this oh yeah i like, i guess so, the the, so does, the theatrics that's what i was gonna say does I, it feel like the choir director is using it as a showcase yes that because that's that's what should never happen. That's that's where that it is definitely from the what's happening. Um, and well, I'll tell you something later. There was some politics involved when when Mom was stopped being choir director, and oh, yeah. uh, that should have tipped me off right there that this was going to yeah. happen. But it happened. So um, now I have I I don't know. I'd like to find another Latin mass in Cincinnati. Well, good luck on that. Yeah. I don't even know why I brought all that up. Well, <laughs> well because... <laughs> because... We were talking if, about the mass and... If people... And... If, if if we were still doing the mass the way we used to, I, I don't think we would have to explain anywhere that the mass is, you know, it's it's an act of the is, universal right. church... In the in the in the sense that it's an act of the church at all, but it's really an act of Christ in which the church participates, um, you know, and and those kinds of things. Right. But you know that that's that's the other thing. Uh, you know, since you brought up music, that you know, in terms of the mass, the one of the things about um, about it, I think that that I find, and 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 I, I, I mean, I'm. I'm in a way, it's shameful, but I'm a slave to convenience. I go to the uh, five o'clock uh, Novus Ordo Mass at the nearby. Well, I'm going to have to re-say that when my dog's not barking. So, in a way, I'm a slave to convenience. I go to the five o'clock Novus Ordo Mass uh, at the nearby parish. But um, the the thing that I keep finding myself doing is, um, I wait for my dog to stop barking. Find yourself doing. Uh, what I find myself doing, (laughs) come on, Vino, no bark. What I find myself doing. the first time your dog has ever barked. Usually it's my dog barking. I cut out, people have no idea how much of a dog barking that I cut out of these. (laughs) Well, he'll bark like that if he hears a car door outside because he thinks visitors Mm -hmm. are coming and he, he gets excited and wants to see people. Mm -hmm. But, um... I find myself working really hard to sort of block out the music and then just, uh, you know, say the yeah. prayer, especially like, like, 
like the way they do the Gloria is so stupid at mass, yeah. at at parishes these days. So I block it out and I just recite it in Latin. Um, and the same thing for a few other parts, like like the uh, Lamb of I don't God recite and, it in Latin, like but I I do because I don't know Latin, but I do I <laughs> try to block it out so that I can pray it. Yeah, and I find myself doing that a lot. And mm-hmm. um, you know the uh, and I was about to say something and I can't remember what it was. Never mind. It'll come back to me later. Good. Right. Well, so um, yeah, I find myself blocking it out and and just saying it in English, but uh, at least at the Novus Order. However, I will admit at the when I go to the Latin Mass. As much as uh, the the choir kind of irritates me nowadays, I I do kind of allow myself to sink into that uh, uh, meditative or contemplative state with the aid of the music because yeah. it's so uh, it's it's so much more reverent it, and well, it's just more beautiful. It and it's conducive to that, you know. It, right. It's. I you got anything to wrap up there? That's no, that's that's pretty much it. That's you know, mm-hmm. that's that's my uh, thoughts on the mass. The, those are the things that I feel like Catholics need to be called back to. Yeah, even if they're even at the Novus Ordo Mass, you can still approach it in your intentions with these realities in mind, and and then right. maybe it'll agitate you a little bit that that uh, that everybody's so lame about how they do the mass. And, mm-hmm. and you'll say, "Hey, couldn't we, uh, couldn't we maybe do something beautiful once in a while?" Yeah, instead of so, I don't know, community. I yeah, I hear some. You know what? Another pet peeve of mine is is when uh, people come in and and socialize really, really loud. Yeah, that right drives there in me the nuts. Yeah, because usually before, if I get there early mm-hmm. enough, I what I spend that time doing is praying, mm-hmm. because. Uh, Usually I got a whole lot to pray about, so I'm sitting there trying to pray, and this guy Joker's walking up and down, shaking everybody's hands, talking real loud. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. That he's making a statement. This is our space, not not yeah Christ's not Christ's space. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I've got some current events here, and there's kind of a lot. I'm going to have to cut some of this out. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut some. Yeah, you wanted to I go. Went, I went, you didn't want I to went, do it real long, but you're I, an I hour went and way ten longer minutes. Than I intended. I knew you would. <laughs> I've never heard you explain anything in a short, sweet way. Okay, all so, right. Challenge accepted. One, one, one day I will. No, you won't. <laughs> um. No, well, here's the thing, though, and I learned this as a kid because I would ask you for help on homework or whatever, and you would start explaining something, and uh, you would always start like way before what I needed to know, oh. and I would interrupt you and be like, well, I, I already know that. You don't have to tell me that, but over the years, I've learned if I just shut up and listen... <laughs> <laughs> I will I will understand the whole subject much better than I did before, but you just got to stop and listen. And that's how I have gotten back on it. The dog found her yep. her squeaky toy. Oh, I was um, going to say, do you have a parakeet or something? <laughs> yeah, the, she's got this squeaky toy and she finds it and she just runs up and presses it into you. Oh. 
to try to get you to throw it. <laughs> I want you to play with it. Yeah. I'm going to try to... Okay. Let's see. I'll try to go through these real quickly. All right. So what do we got? Um, okay. Uh, Whole, Whole Foods Market announces it's going to eliminate plastic straws from U.S., Canada, and United Kingdom. Wait, who I, did? Uh, Whole Foods Market. Oh, Whole I, Foods. I, okay. Yeah. So, I... You know, I think this is just so going another one of those... Yeah. Uh, because all the straws end up in the ocean somehow, even though we oh. are nowhere near the ocean here in Cincinnati. Um, yeah. It's... Well, there's probably that like bugs like, me. There's probably a company whose whose sole job is to transport used plastic straws to, you know, to New get York rid so of them in the ocean. Into the ocean. I yeah, don't know, you know, and kill baby turtles or something. I, I guess. Um, South Korea vows to send humanitarian aid to North Korea uh, because of droughts. Um, yeah, because you know, South Korea I, has resources because because they're not communists. Yeah, I have to wonder if uh, North Korea is doing so bad and they're seeking some kind of immediate aid and that's why they're uh, doing pulling some of the shenanigans they're doing right now. You know, they uh, he met with Putin and he launched a few missiles and I wonder if China or Russia are offering to do something for them if they will provoke Trump. Provoke Trump? Yeah, that could be. That could be. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, we got more stuff about Julian Assange from WikiLeaks, but, you know, we've already said everything we can say about that. Uh, He's just got some more charges on him. Oh, okay. And he's in jail right now, I guess. Yeah. Um... Okay, there's a couple different... Everybody's still trying to get Trump's financial records. And this is irritating, but I I feel like maybe... I feel like maybe the whole financial records is a straw man because it keeps them busy doing something while Trump uh, does what needs to be done in the Gets country. Done. <laughs> yeah, I. it's like... That, when that they finally got all the records and they finally say look what we've got and it's like so what yeah. so he he made money he filed money he he got out of paying all the taxes he could like every other person does and then uh, so what so yeah. there, there's just more movement on that judges are ordering banks to turn over uh, uh, financial records things like that um <laughs> We've got the House Intelligence Committee trying to trying to investigate everyone. Um, and then was that this week that Trump walked out of a meeting? He said, "Look, if you when you're done investigating, we'll do some legislating. But you you can either investigate or you can legislate. We're not going to do both." And oh, yeah, Pelosi. Wow. He said that Pelosi and Pelosi got all upset and good for has him. Been, yeah. Um, so Pelosi did some uh, press uh, meetings and, and told everyone about how Trump got all upset and had a temper tantrum, which isn't what happened. Doesn't but, sound um, like it. 
<laughs> yeah. I I mean, I listened to his when he talked to the press. He didn't sound angry. He just said, well, I'm tired of doing this. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> I've got a job as president, and it isn't this. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> got nothing to do with all this. Oh, well. Let's see here. Okay, so John Walker Lind is the first person to be convicted of a crime in the war on terror. And yeah, he was I just released from way back. on probation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump's angry about that. I'm angry about it. Uh, yeah, why Why would we probate him? Why, keep him in for the full term. Was yeah. he... Was, oh, shoot. Shut up. You know, mm-hmm. No bark. Was, was he sentenced to life, or was there going to be a time that he could walk out? Uh... I don't know. Oh, he was sentenced to 20 years, and he's let out after 17. Yeah, okay. It's hard to believe yeah. that the war on terror has been going on for 20 years, or yeah. for that long, for 17 years. Right. Um, oh, well, okay. 18 Earth-like extra, uh, exoplanets were discovered. Um, so we were using the Kepler uh, Space Telescope to look for... Uh, exoplanets. Like yeah. yeah. No, we weren't oh, looking wait, for wait, wobbles. Wait. That's another. Well, I don't know. It may be you. They may look for wobbles with the uh, Kepler telescope, but the what we were looking for was the dimming and brightening. Okay. So okay. the the path had to cross in front of the star of the planet in order for us to see it. So it right. had to be orbiting on a certain plane in order for us to see that. Got it. And we've right. seen a lot right. of them, but all the ones we see are great big ones, or most okay. of them. Okay. We've decided to start using this new algorithm, and uh, since we've done that, we've discovered a lot more Earth-sized planets. You know, uh, we think, think of the Earth and its size in relation to the sun, and I mean... Yeah. And then... Like draw yourself back, uh, a like billion light, miles away. light years yeah. away from the sun, and just the idea that you can have a telescope that even detects the dimming of the sun from the Earth. You know that little bit of extra light shut out from the Earth passing in right, front of it. Right, because it's so small. That's astounding. <laughs> That's right. amazing. That's really neat. And, well, see, the thing is, it was easy to detect these larger planets, but I right. think what happened is, if it's a smaller planet, it's going to be less of a dimming, but it's going to be for a longer time. And oh. I guess that's what they weren't looking for. Plus, okay. there was there was the the we had to look more for when uh, the planet was, say, at the very outside of the star and just starting to come into the star's view, so that. It would be a little bit dim, and then a little bit more dimmed, and then a little bit dimmed again. And I think that's what we were not looking for. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it's... I, I I don't know the math of all of it, but I just know that uh, we're we're seeing more planets that are more like Earth now uh, yeah. using the same telescope. Yeah. I think we'll ever um, get to any of them. I sure hope so. I don't think we will in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime, no. But uh, yeah, I hope God will allow will us when to discover, yeah, we die, to go and visit those places. 
I think when we die, that'll be kind of automatic. That you know, maybe. I, don't I hope. That's what I hope. So, like, like a little bit of time, like, like when we die, uh, you know, assuming we're bound for heaven. But it's like, okay, we've we've died, but the end of the world hasn't come yet. So we've we've kind of entered into our reward, but not in that final end of the world sense. And so right. we still get to have a little bit of time where we can sort of play around in the universe at large. <laughs> yeah. Um, President Trump sent uh, 1,500 troops to the Middle East uh, over tensions with Iran. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to the Persian Gulf. That's a... So, I don't know. That's touchy. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, that's that comment that... Uh, yeah. That... Uh, our, our last recording you brought up hey you know well if Iran wants to challenge us well then you know it's right. by Iran I, um, we haven't seen him actually handle a war yet no uh, he's cleaning up a lot of uh, Obama's wars because Obama's mm -hmm. had a, a bunch of wars going on when he came in and right. he's trying to clean them up but uh, here this would be a, a, a whole new thing and I guess we'll see what happens here Yep, yep. Well, we got to um, pray for him. Yeah. Let's see. The 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 lawsuit to block up Alabama's abortion ban has been filed. So that's that's okay. on its way. It's we all knew way. that was coming. Yeah. The process is is churning mm -hmm. the way. Yeah, the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Speaking of uh, courts, uh, let's see. Ohio and Michigan. We were going through that whole gerrymandering uh, law. Oh, so, mm -hmm. uh, I guess we were going to stop gerrymandering. Is it Gary? Okay. Jerry. Gerrymandering. Ger we were going. We yeah. had passed laws to stop that, and right now the Supreme Court has stopped us from stopping it until oh. they decide whether or not gerrymandering is is uh constitutional okay it's kind so of, i guess kind of, there's not going to be any changes until we figured out is this yeah. constitutional it, it's gonna be a really hard thing if they say it's not be, because the the thing about gerrymandering is is it has it only has to do with how you draw district lines and right. it's like well if you're gonna say you can't gerrymander then what does that really mean? What you know? What what are the set of standards that you right. can use as check marks to say I'm I'm in the law in how we've drawn the district lines, or I'm out of the law? That I, yeah, and I, who I, decides? Yeah, I what those laws are? That. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think we have to accept gerrymandering as kind of a, a political fact of life. Uh, sometimes it works in our favor. Sometimes it works against us, depending on who's in charge. I don't think there's anything you can reasonably do about it with, without yeah. introducing, um, so without, without introducing uh, worse run into you know, problems. Worse that, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, what's a binary asteroid? A binary asteroid. I should have looked that up. Before oh, probably I... two asteroids that are big enough that that they're actually caught in each other's gravitational field and circling each other. Oh, okay. I didn't realize asteroids yeah, were big enough and to it's, do that. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Okay, massive. so there's a binary Aten asteroid 
and its minor planet moon okay make their closest ever recorded flyby of earth at 3.2 million miles away that must be a huge asteroid yeah if it's got a if it's got a, a moon. moon yeah that's what i mean um it's almost a planet yeah it's minor planet moon what's a minor planet moon i i I think I, I think minor means it's the smaller of the binary pair. I think planet yeah. means it's uh, it's planetary in the sense that it circles the, the larger asteroid, and then moon just describes it as a satellite, like like a you know. Okay, moon so a planet. minor planet moon is an astronomical object that orbits a minor planet as its oh. natural satellite. So this asteroid is considered a minor planet. Yeah, but it's not shaped like a planet. As a matter of fact, the moon looks like a moon. It's round, but the asteroid does not look like a planet. It's misshapen and stuff. That's interesting. That's that's one of the qualifications for something to be considered a true planet is that it be big enough such that its own gravity forces it to be round. Yeah, which, um, yeah, that's one of them. And then... Uh, I guess the reason Pluto is not is because um, I guess what they say is that it it didn't form the same way as the other planets form because it's not part of the uh, orbital plane that the other ones are on. Oh, okay. So it if if we accept the theory that the planets were created through the spinning disk. Right. Then we can accept that all these planets were formed at the same, in the same way when the sun itself formed, and if Pluto doesn't follow that uh, disk, then it wouldn't have been one of the original planets. Right. And it would be a minor, minor planet. Minor planet. Okay. So, uh, I, that's all I got. Okay. Well, I've got uh, two. <laughs> Two oddball things. Yeah. Okay, three really. Okay, so first, uh, from this is news from the Nation of Nonsense. Yeah. Uh, in in New York State, um, so you have to have your car inspected in New York. They were doing that in Ohio for a little while, weren't they? Yeah, uh, the, they the ran testing. into a whole bunch of trouble because, like, they found they found all kind of corruption. Which yeah. is foreseeable because the people it's, doing the inspecting make money, and you know, the people who en- enacted the laws are the ones making money. Eventually, yeah, the, well, well, you know? the in in the in Ohio's case, the the legislators who sponsored the law had interests in the companies that were going to be doing the emissions test. Right. So it it's like it started out corrupt. It was stupid that it passed anyway. Right. So anyway, the fellow in New York, <laughs> I, I, almost, I, I want to send you this, but I don't want to spend the time. I'll, I'll maybe send it to you tomorrow or something, but he, okay. um, so you can put it on our website. <laughs> he, he drew up, and they've got a picture of it here in marker, um, his emission inspection certificate. <laughs> it's... I mean, it's it's really just a marker-drawn version of the official one with everything marked, you know, look, but it's... <laughs> so he was really trying to fake it? And... And he, yeah, he, he, 35-year-old, 
drew the sticker by hand. It didn't convince anybody, but <laughs> it's a Sounds red like piece of construction paper. Probably. <laughs> See, in Ohio, you had, if you couldn't pass, which none of my vehicles ever could, you could spend $300 in order to improve the emissions. And if you, you only had to spend up to $300 to get it better, and then you could pass whether you passed or not. Oh, okay. I faked so many receipts to get cars to pass that. Yeah. I never owned a car that passed it, but, but just... I would just, I would fail it, and then I'd go home, and I'd, I'd print out a receipt on my computer, and then I'd go back up and say, here, I spent 300 bucks. <laughs> you formed... <laughs> You formed your own business for missions and emissions improvement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would just list a bunch of things on there. I'd put like, you know, $150 of diagnosis and uh, diagnostics and, and then a couple other things I'd throw in there. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Did you ever say uh, you sprinkled uh, chicken blood? I never did that. <laughs> I don't even just know to if, see they if they read paid them. attention. <laughs> but I, th- I think somebody did read them. But I'm not sure because oh, they okay. would always take it and walk away from me into an office, and then they'd come back out and stamp it. Okay, so uh, you remember you remember the movie Weatherman? Yes, with uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Okay, I love so that movie. <laughs> in Great Britain, right-wing politicians are being assaulted by desert drinks, by dessert drinks. <laughs> really? Milkshakes being used as political weapons in Britain. <laughs> Right-wingers are the ones getting attacked? Getting hit, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this is like like copying the movie. I wonder. I mean, I, how, how could they not be thinking of that as they're doing it? I mean... Right. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I, anyway. Um... Last one, we've got a Maryland man who drives a Batmobile, and I've got a picture of it here, and it is like the uh, the, the 60s show Batmobile, not not the the uh, yeah. Michael Keaton movie Bat- Batmobile. <clears throat> anyway, he, I guess, is a real crime fighter. He, uh, <clears throat> uh, he tracked down a person who was involved in a hit and run. Says, I'm a pretty determined fellow, and if somebody does something like that, I'm going to be on them. Can't let them get away with that. Name is so Bill he, Gibson. He did this once, or he does it on a regular basis. I think he did it once, and this this is the report of that once. He said he was traveling okay. on Route 28 in Silver Spring, Maryland, on Wednesday. Another motorist ran into his vehicle. Okay, it was a hit and run on his vehicle. Oh. He says, I don't know what the guy was thinking. He must have been going about 60, you know, and just slammed right into the rear corner. <laughs> he he's tricked well, his car out a with a mobile. A bat, a bat phone, rocket launchers that have an actual flame appear, and a projector that shows a bat symbol on the road at night. <laughs> and somebody, somebody hit that. He and said drove he was off. stunned when he pulled over because the other guy hit him, and he pulled yeah. over. The other guy sped, you know, sped up and drove off. He said, "So I'm dialed nine one one and I'm chasing him, chasing him down. Pulled into a church parking lot, came out, got out of his car, looked at the car, and tried to offer me money." Which, of course, wasn't going to happen. Eventually handed over his information so that he wasn't charged by police. Uh, Why wouldn't cost... he just take the money? Uh, I think... Maybe well, he didn't he offer says, him enough. Enough. It says the cost of repairing it may be more than $7,000. Oh, 
It shows the well, damage. Well, I guess, yeah. Here. If it's so. like a special vehicle. Custom uh, and everything. But it that seems would be like cool. Shoot, shoot ev- real flames out of the back of your car. Yeah. Remember when we were going to do something <laughs> like that to your escort? Yeah. <laughs> we were thinking about it, and we were, and then we were going to do that, and then maybe have some wings that come out. <laughs> All the things we a used sleeper, to think of sleeper doing. escort. <laughs> um, you know, it seems like uh, every week, people listening one of to this the are saying, what's an escort? Oh, um, <laughs> it's an old Ford. Car. The Ford Escort. <laughs> it's a the tiny little thing. Short-lived, tiny little. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost every uh, week we have one of one of the nonsense nonsense stories are uh, also Seinfeld e- episodes. Okay. Because there was the one where he saw a hit and run, and he. I, I've well, never watched he wrote, Seinfeld. Oh, Seinfeld, okay. So. You well, he it. he went after her to to, to get the because he saw her hit something and then run, so he followed oh, okay. her and he was gonna try to he was gonna confront her, but he ended up asking her out because <laughs> she was pretty. <laughs> but I there's a twist on it. <laughs> have you ever seen the YouTube video where the guy has a uh, I I think it's a Lamborghini, kind of get up made up as a Batmobile and. Uh, he he does Uber. No, he does Uber in a Lamborghini. Yeah, well, it was a Batmobile. It, it looked like a Batmobile. I don't I don't remember it well enough to know if it actually looked like the Matmo- Batmobile or if it was just right. a black Lamborghini that was kind of made up like it. No, but I mean um, I could imagine like if you if you took an old uh, yeah it was you know, it, look like it up an on on made it or a. a uh, you know, a Plymouth Fury and made it into a Batmobile or something like that, but a Lamborghini? Yeah. Well, it was a newer <laughs> one. It was a Christian Bale one. Oh, okay. So he would come and, and give people rides to Uber, and he would dress up like Batman and, and come and pick people. I'll, I'll link to it on the website. It's a pretty funny video. <laughs> I bet some of the people's response reactions are funny. Right. Yeah. All right, are we? Uh, I think we're done. Are we wrapped up? You're, you everything. can go to bed now because you got to get up. <laughs> no, I got more stuff to do. Whatever. <laughs> you, what are you got? What are you doing? Huh? What do you got to do? I gotta get it. I gotta get beer. I, I gotta do stuff. You know what? I'm gonna stop recording. Just a honeydew list. I, huh? I, yeah, I get list of All stuff right. that I gotta do. All right. It's a honeydew list that All I have right, to well, get I'll done let you get before to we it start the week. And uh, so. And Everybody, think about what we said. Yeah. Uh, start start paying attention during the mass and look for things like that. And uh, as always, always, remember, circle, circle the beads. beads. And uh, everyone. Uh,